Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to start this morning with a warning. Today, being Holy Trinity Sunday, our lessons focus on the one true God. That is, the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As we just confessed in the words of the Athanasian Creed. So my warning has to do with the implications of this teaching. Because, you see, God has revealed himself in an exclusive way. By the way, when, when we say the word Catholic in the Athanasian Creed, that doesn't mean the Roman Church. That means Catholic is a word that means universal. So it's like the Christian Church. Um, but to be a member of the Christian Church, to be a Christian, means to confess the name of the triune God. To see God rightly is to see him as he is and as he has revealed himself to be. His self-revelation, particularly in the Son, God the Son, Jesus Christ, excludes excludes the so-called gods of the false religion. That's why the warning. Because this can be offensive to people. They don't like to hear this. I'm going to give you an example. There's an open letter from a number of Muslim leaders to Christians that is entitled, A Common Word Between Us and You. This was prepared in 2007, and it was sent far and wide to a number of Christian leaders, to the Pope, to the patriarchs of the various Orthodox churches, to uh, bishops of major denominations all over the world, and so forth. Now, I want to pick on one person in particular. It's not personal, but you've got to start somewhere. I figured I'll start with the Lutheran who had something to say about this uh, common word. And it was uh, Reverend Mark Hansen, who was at the time the presiding bishop of the ELCA, and he was the uh, president of the Lutheran World Federation. He received the letter. And he wrote a response. It's not worth reading. Um, Let me just say, I regret, as do many, that the name Lutheran would be pinned to someone who would be so weak in defending the faith that he would not be able to speak plainly and truly about this matter. Okay? So it's not worth reading, but I'll I'll give you a... uh, Uh, a little bit from his response. He didn't endorse this letter, which is good. However, this is what he said. I acknowledge this letter in gratitude and recognition of the need for its further study and consideration. I likewise accept it in the belief that Jews, Muslims, and Christians are all called to one another as to a holy site where God's living revelation in the world is received in reverence among the faithful, and not in fear of our neighbors. Wow. I mean, these words just sound so nice, don't they? How broad-minded of Reverend Hansen. Now, this is a little unfair because you haven't read the open letter, so you don't know, well, how should he respond to it? So let me give you a, a couple paragraphs from this open letter. Again, this was written by Muslims 
a common word between us and you. It was written to Christians. This is, the, this is how it begins. Muslims and Christians together make up well over half of the world's population. Without peace and justice between these two religious communities, there can be no meaningful peace in the world. The future of the world depends on peace between Muslims and Christians. All right, next paragraph. The basis for this peace and understanding already exists. It is part of the very foundational principles of both faiths, love of the one God and love of the neighbor. These principles are found over and over again in the sacred texts of Islam and Christianity. The unity of God, the necessity of love for him, and the necessity of love of his neighbor, of the neighbor, is thus the common ground between Islam and Christianity. Now, these are merely the first two paragraphs of a document that's like, I don't know, 27 pages long. But you can stop reading there. You don't need to read any more of this, okay? The expression, quote, love of the one God, betrays the false premise that we have to stop in their tracks. No, we do not worship the same God. Absolutely do not worship the same God. We have to make a bold statement. And, and, and that's why this response is totally, it is totally pathetic. It is not an adequate response because the response should have stopped them right there and said, time out, buddy. No, we do not worship the same God. We worship the true God. You worship a false God. Just be clear about that. Now, we can have lots of discussions about how we can live in peace and harmony, which Christians can do and do do. We, we do that. We do that. We live in peace and harmony. All right. <clears throat> but any response to a letter like this has to state that boldly, that there is indeed one true God and that he is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anything less than that is a false God. In our gospel lesson today, Jesus is interacting with some hostile Jews. They have started with arguments. They want to argue points of theology with Jesus. Now they've moved on to insults. Are you not a Samaritan? I mean, that is like, to a Jew, that is a terrible insult to call them a Samaritan. Samaritans were, they were like the northern tribe and and the northern tribe, first of all, had left this, the, the true Israel because they split from the southern kingdom. But then besides that, the Assyrians, when they conquered the northern tribe, exported a bunch of Jews and then imported a bunch of foreigners into the northern territory. So what you end up with later in Jesus' day is they were a bunch of, of uh, mixed, you know, not pure Jews. And they, they looked at, really looked down on them. Jesus didn't look down on the Samaritans. Okay, Jesus did not. He had very pleasant discourse with the Samaritans, but the, Jew, but the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. So they insult him. So they go first with the arguments, now with this insult, calling him Samaritan, and then where is this going to lead? We see at the end of our lesson, they want to stone him to death. They wanted to stone him to death. Why? Why would they want to stone Jesus to death? Well... <laughs> I think it's because they understood what he was saying. He, he equated himself to God very clearly, and they understood that. Blasphemy, 
was punishable by death. Unless, and, and so Jesus should have been stoned. Unless, unless he really was God. Then it's not blasphemy. I mean, if Jesus of Nazareth was not God, he should have been stoned to death right there in the temple for equating himself to God. But on the other hand, if he is God, then we should sit at his feet and hear him and praise him, worship him. But not these Jews. They, they railed at him. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? You know, when Jesus said, you will not taste of death, they understood what he was saying. He wasn't talking about this physical life. He was talking about your eternal life. And they understood it, but they're like, oh, what? You, you know, you deny that people died? Abraham died. Are you greater than him? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus' answer harkens back to the account of Moses in the burning bush, which you'll recall that Moses asked God for his name so that when the Israelites ask, who is it that sent him? Moses could say, it is. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And thus, God's name, I am, which Jesus invokes here in this response before Abraham was, I am. You know, when the Jehovah's Witnesses say, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. That was made up by Christians later on. The Jews that were there at that time seemed to understand exactly what he was claiming because they picked up stones to stone him to death. So they knew exactly what he was saying. And he was saying that he was God, that he is God. He was saying a lot more in these two words, I am, than we might realize. He said that he's God, that he's the eternally begotten son of the father. In fact, he's saying that he's the one who spoke to Moses. The one who spoke to Abraham and all the prophets of old. The Jews understood that. And that's why they wanted to kill him. Well, we're in John 8, but if you go back to the first chapter of John, you get a context for the ministry of Jesus. And John 1.18 says, no one has ever seen God. Indeed, God can't be seen. We just read this morning about Moses. He spoke face to face with God, but no one has ever seen God. Well, he was speaking face to face with Jesus Christ. That's the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. But when he spoke with God, with Jesus, his face shone brightly so that the people had to look away. They were afraid even to come near him. I mean, the people were afraid to come near Moses from just that reflection of God's glory. And indeed, no one has ever seen God. But John 1.18 goes on to say, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. See, in other words, the mystery of who God is has been revealed to us in the Son, Jesus the Christ. If you want to see God, look at Jesus. There's a great YouTube clip put out by Lutheran satire, which is 
it's only a minute long, but it's so funny. It's a Christian and a Muslim. And the question pops up on the screen, do we worship the same God? And then these two little stick figures come out. And the one is a Christian. He's got a cross. And he points to Jesus on a cross. And he says, oh, look, there's the God I worship. Is that the God you worship? And the other guy says, nope. And he goes, oh, okay. I mean, it's that simple. If you want to see God, you look at Jesus Christ. That's how we see God. Jesus is the revelation that discloses God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. As we confess, one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity. It, it's simple. It's simple enough that even a young child can understand this. Trinity and unity, unity and Trinity, one God, three persons. And yet it's so profound that it can perplex the most astute lifelong believer, scholar, they can be perplexed by this mystery, simple yet profound. We pray to God the Father. We pray to God the Father. We pray by the power of the Holy Spirit who hears our groanings, who searches us and brings our concerns out. And we pray, of course, in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the only true God And that's it. That's the only true God is the triune God. So don't pray with someone who uses the name God and applies it to something else. They're praying to a false God. We pray to the triune God. Are you praying to God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross? No. Well, we're not praying to the same God. So let's not pray together because we're making we're making a mockery. We're lying. We're deceiving about who it is that we're praying to. Today, there are Muslims, Jews, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Buddhists. Take your pick. Take your pick of other false religions who would unwittingly drag you to hell with their false doctrine. They would convince you and others that they worship the same God, but they do not. In worshiping this false God of their own making, they deny the true God, which we see only through Jesus Christ. Pray for their souls. Intercede for them, if you may. I mean, if you're able to intercede for them, do so. But whatever you do, do not believe their false doctrine. Do not be drawn into that. You know, again, to tie into our Old Testament readings today, you know, this was a constant concern for Israel that they would be drawn into the false gods, you know, that they would worship idols. And we, we, we are also a stiff-necked people, and we also do the same thing. As God says, don't whore after other gods. Yeah, he uses that language. Don't whore after other gods. I want to close here with this. God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. That is how God has revealed himself. In Christ, we see the love of God, which does not turn away from your sin but goes head on, tackles your sin head on by saying, I, your God, Jesus Christ, will take your sin away from you. This is what it means to be God. I will take your sin and I will take it upon myself. I will receive the baptism of repentance 
What are you repenting from, Jesus? I'm repenting from your sin. I will suffer a cursed death, torturing, scourging, being put on the cross. I will suffer this humiliation and this death for you. This is the love that God has for us. Now tell, tell me that it's loving to push that to the side and buy into this false premise that we all worship the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. But I pray that we would. I wish to God that we would all worship the the one true God. That's what evangelism is. It's not making peace with everybody. Not, Not a false peace. It's making a true peace. And the true peace comes only through God the Son, our Savior. He did this all because he desired to redeem you from your sins. Rejoice that you have Christ and rejoice that he has you. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.